Hey, Matthew. Hey. How are you? Try this again. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's well. fine. I mean, this is uh, this is part of the process, right? You know, people taking time out of their day to, uh, um, you know, share information. You just have sometimes difficulty, so not a problem at all. We'll just tie all of it together, and people can just hear the entire um, conversation. But where I was finishing off, and I was a little proud of my uh, speech there, <laughs> which was, you know, look, no one comes out of the womb knowing how to manage Excel spreadsheets or, you know, PowerPoints and things like that. So when people tell you, oh, you don't have experience with this, you don't have skills, you can't do it, that's nonsense. You have to make the decision of whether or not you are willing to put in all of the work that's required for you to be competitive. Right. Yes. And yeah. uh, not listen to a lot of these other people that are like, well, I've never heard anyone go from where you are to where you want to be. Well, okay, thank you, <laughs> but I'm going there. <laughs> you know, right. that's what I right. want to do. And that sort of um, uh, strength of character to say, okay, listen, I, I don't need you to understand how I'm going to do this. What you can help me out with is what information I would need to know if I did want to do that. Right. Yeah, and I think I would just add that it's important that um, as you go through, you know, you may have like the strong inclination. I'm just using IB because that's what I'm in, but right. you have the strong inclination to say, yeah, I want to be an investment banker. But then as you go in and you're like, you know, I really don't like working in Excel. Like this sucks. Or I really don't like working in PowerPoint. Then it's like, okay, well, um, it's not that you're not smart enough. It's simply that's not interesting to you, right? Correct. And so just yes. also be honest with yourself and say, yes. you know, let go of some of, you know, this prestige thing if, if that's what you're going after and go after something that perhaps is, you know, uh, so prestigious but more in line with what you like to do. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% yeah. because... You know, what I tell a lot of folks is, look, performance review is coming up in a year, right? And you don't want to mm -hmm. be there doing a job you don't enjoy doing, competing with someone that actually does. This is not yeah. going to end well for you. Go no. where your interests are, where you, when you yeah. wake up and you're excited and you're like, I want to do this. You know, I'm, I'm good at math. I, I do math well. I would be terrible as an accountant because I don't care about annual reports. I have no interest in them at all. And so going and doing accounting for me would be absurd because there are people out there that love nothing more than to just sit there and digest what's going on in an annual report and make decisions off the basis of that, right? Yeah. So yeah. forcing yourself either because of the prestige or because, you know, you have um, – uh, friends and family pressures that are like, oh, you have to go into this career. You're an adult. <laughs> you can do what you want. There's an abundance of careers out here. You know, I, I, I understand that that's, you know, uh, a sort of maturing um, uh, experience you have to do when it's like, okay, what my mom and dad and cousins and friends tell me to do, I don't necessarily have to do. And it's not right. out of any malice. It's simply you know who you are, what excites you, and you have to be honest with that. Yeah. Or at least if you don't, you need to spend time figuring that out, and then that way you can better articulate what it is that you want to do. And so that's why I, you know, I try to emphasize paying a close 
paying close attention to what moves you while you're in the military and, you know, uh, especially the, for those enlisted uh, men and women that are transitioning into college, you know, pay close attention to what it is that you're you're moved by. Um, I don't mean that some sort of like touchy feeling sort of way. It's, it's more like, right. no, what's what's motivating you? You know, what's what's yes. moving you? Like, why yes. why do you keep picking up the New York Times and reading, you know, the opinion page? What is it about it that you like? Can yeah, you articulate it. You know, like yeah. just spend time reflecting, um, reflecting on that. I'm telling you, it would just pay off. You'll come off as far more articulate, far more confident, because you know you. And that's exactly right, because as a hiring manager, I can tell you one of the first questions that I ask everyone is, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And people that could honestly articulate, you know, why our opportunity aligned with their interests and motivations were immediately brought to the front of the line. And they're like, oh, they know what they want to do. I don't have to spend a lot of time figuring out for them. So, yeah. you know, that, that ability to say, hey, I, I've done my homework. I understand what this opportunity does. And it aligns with my interests and motivations and why I'm excited to join your team and help you win. That's a powerful response. And to say that you did that while you were in the military just, just elevates you even higher relative to the other people that are applying for that same job. Yeah. Agreed. So how many, uh, so had you heard about, when did you first hear about informational interviews? And how many did you do before you uh, wound up uh, getting your job offer? Well, what was the first part of the question? I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. When was the first time you heard of informational interviews? Oh, okay. Um, uh, I think it was while I was at Yale, um, a... Um, we both have a, a shared friendship with uh, with Amy Rosinski uh, at the School of Management, and I spoke to her about trying to figure out, you know, my sort of career interests, and and she lined up several people for me to talk to, and um, uh, people from like Aaron Hurst, who's the CEO of. Uh, 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 now his uh, his company is escaping me, but anyway, he wrote the book The Purpose Economy. <clears throat> Had um, conversations with him, and and uh, your name was also on that list. And uh, it was after having those initial conversations that, which were imperfect, I fumbled, I was nervous. Um, it's then that I realized, okay, so this this is what they call an an informational interview. So uh, (laughs) from there, I decided, all right, I need to get better at this. And so I started to talk to various people that were, that have done it before and just tried to get some, I don't want to say tips, but yeah, I guess tips and strategies and, um, but these tips and strategies were, were less geared toward how can I, manipulate this person into getting me a job because, look, that's not the purpose of an informational interview. The informational interview, once once I realized that the purpose of an informational interview is for me to ask some uh, questions that were meaningful for me to help me figure out whether what this person does is of interest to me. If if their particular job 
is interesting to me and if it and if it aligns with with who I am and, and the type of contribution I want to make and I found that you know there were several different sort of careers that were interesting but when I when I was able to start to look at not only what type of contribution do I want to make, but I had to ask myself questions like, okay, well, what do I want my salary to be? What kind of, mm-hmm. what kind of lifestyle do I want to have um, now and, and in the future? Uh, and I'm willing to, to sacrifice a little bit of lifestyle in order to get the lifestyle I want later. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. important to ask those types of questions, right? And, and you can ask those questions in your informational interview with with people, you know, depending on how well you know them. And mm-hmm. um, I found, so I found the informational interview to be a, a really powerful resource in helping me discern what it is that I wanted to do. And going back to our mm-hmm. earlier conversation between, you know, as I was trying to figure out wealth management or investment banking was really like these informational interviews, time spent sort of reflecting uh, on them and my reactions mm-hmm. to them that led me to the decision to do investment banking. How many would you say you did, if you had to guess? Oh, boy. Round number? I'd say 50, at least, not more. 50? No, let's okay. say 100. Okay. <laughs> I did a lot, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, generally they were about an hour long, right? Yeah, or less, like 30, okay. usually around 30, 45 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, this is not something when you think about people getting out of the military um, and, you know, going to a transition assistance program six months before before they're about to get out. It's like you need much more time to just even become aware and focused on what the opportunities are that you're interested in. And you can do that through an informational interview, but you're going to have to give yourself time to do that. Right. You know, because... The people you're talking to are the people that have this job and that have actual insight. They're on the front line, which right. means they're busy too, you know. And so it's not when you're ready, they're going to be ready. You're going to have to coordinate schedules, and it could well be, you know, a couple days or so before you can even schedule one interview. And now do that mm-hmm. 50 or 100 times, you can start to see how much of a time investment and window you need to give yourself in order to properly get out and avoid right. the jump again to the pit of chaos because you didn't give yep. yourself enough time. Yeah, I actually had to schedule in my uh, my planner, time to look for people that I wanted to uh, do, do a uh, or that I potentially wanted to have an informational interview with, and then once I had a list of people, I would then schedule time to write them emails. Yeah. And then uh, when I get responses, I you know I make sure to to schedule them as as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, one thing that I would add about the informational interview is, uh, and something that I've I had to learn, was that when you reach out to people, especially via email, it needs to be a mm-hmm. short email. They don't need to. Oh yeah. I don't need to hear your life story. You know? And it's it's just look. I know why you're contacting me. Like I've had people contact yeah. me already, and I'm just starting. You know, other vets that are wanting to transition to investment banking, or or yeah. uh, in you know college students wanting to transition into into IB, and it's like. Look, I don't need to know all your life story. You know, I just yep. 
you just need to say, hey, I'm interested. I'm, I saw your profile on LinkedIn. This is yeah. our connection. Maybe it's Columbia. Maybe yeah. it's military. But, yeah. you know, do you have like 15 minutes to chat with me? That's yeah. it. Like, that's all it takes, you know. And yeah. if you can just, those two things, you just want to keep it short and sweet and you want to somehow let them know what the connection is between the two of you. And it, Because I, I've never said no to a veteran who's reached yeah. out to me. And one of them even got my name wrong. <laughs> and was, hi, Greg. Instead of Matt. Okay. So when I when I talk to him, I just say, Hey, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not taking on you, but just as a heads up, you really want to proofread. I said, Yeah. I'm just starting out on this on this you know career, but um, if you were to send that to you know a senior associate, VP, yeah. MD. Yeah. Good luck getting a response. You know what I mean? Like if you can't yeah. take the time to get the name right, they're not going to take the time to talk to you for 15, 20 minutes. You know, it, it's just it's just a matter of courtesy. Just pay close yeah. attention. I'm not, don't get nervous about it, but just pay close attention. Proofread your stuff and make sure it's right and, and send it. Yeah, and I mean, this is – so the last episode we talked about um, – uh, etiquette, right? You know, like there's this, different organizations you go to and different people you speak with, you know, there's a different etiquette, right, that you're going to be expected right. to do. And this is one of those things that is tricky, too, because you have to acknowledge you're coming from a culture where maybe those long e- emails are useful and going yes. to one where it's not useful. And right. so it is a, you know, it's, it's critical for you to start out you know, having conversations with people where there is almost no cost and you'll get that frank feedback, you know, because one of the things that's tricky too is, you know, confidence, right? Like how do you come across as not being arrogant but being serious? Well, it depends. Right. It depends, you know, to whom you're talking. And you need friends and, and, and peers that can talk to you and say, okay, you're coming across as arrogant right now. You need to right. dial that back. Or right. you're not coming across as assertive enough. You need to ramp it up a bit. And yeah. that's, there's just going to be a trial in there. There is no answer that solves all of those questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So uh, let's see. There was uh, culture shock. Yeah, well, that actually um, uh, leads right into the question that I was going to ask you about next. Uh, culture shock. Well, did you have any comments? You know, like for you coming from academia and then going to um, uh, banking and coming from yeah. the military. Is there a culture shock issue that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I think. Um, and before moving on to that, I just wanted to add one more thing about etiquette. It's because um, one thing I get when talking to veterans that reach out to me, they call me sir, or yeah, um, yeah. that's not sir or ma'am is is not something that um, is looked upon favorably in, in corporate culture. Um, yeah. People normally go by their first name, or yep. I, I don't know anyone that goes by Mr. or Mrs. Um, but you know, it doesn't hurt to ask how how would you like right. for me to address you. Um, yep. But don't don't start with sir. Just um, yeah, that makes I find it makes people uncomfortable when you when you talk to them in that way. But moving on to to culture shock, I think that um, <clears throat> it was sort of less culture shock transitioning from the military to college because um, I was really ready for it. I was just thirsty for uh, sort of the intellectual experiences that I was going to be having. Um, but yet, 
one thing that I missed in the transition, one thing I missed from the military was was just the sense of camaraderie and team. Uh, one thing that I did sort of struggle with, and I think most veterans struggle with when transitioning to college, um, from the military to college, is you know they're they're now isolated. Sure, they're on yep. campus with hundreds, if not thousands, of other people, but a lot of these other people are younger, um, yep. or you know, so it's it can be difficult to find your group. It can be yep. difficult to find your community. Uh, and so, and no one's going to, and, and the thing with, with college, like no one's going to come out and make one for you. You know what right. I mean? Like you just have to take responsibility and, and be proactive and seeking out not only mentors, but, but people whom you can sort of connect with and talk to. And um, what you're essentially doing is building a support system for yourself because you're going right. to need it. And yeah. uh, you're going to need one on campus. Now in the, the transition from, uh, grad school to corporate culture. Um, there's, yeah, it's it's been it's been a challenging one because I come from you know at Yale I I had professors and and uh, other students or friends whom I could speak quite openly and honestly with. Where in corporate mm-hmm. culture. I'm not saying that you can't speak honestly, but um, you really don't want to spend time talking about, you know, how hard your day was or, yeah. you know, you're, like, you're not there to share, like, your personal or private struggles. Um, yeah. I don't want yeah. to say, like, no one cares, but it's – we're all busy. <laughs> and yep. so you – it's really important, I, I, I think, that when you make that transition – that you realize, or at least that you can, that you try to anticipate that this transition uh, into whatever career field you're going to, you're not going to have the same level of camaraderie and teamwork that you had in the military. It's just going to be different. Um, So just be proactive in trying to build a a support group or a group of friends, um, which I'm still doing here here at Wells, right? Like I haven't found... Um, I haven't built an entire community yet for myself, but you know, there's a few people that, um, by being proactive, I've been able to build, you know, relatively decent relationships with. So if I'm having struggles at work, uh, having difficulty sort of remembering some of the Excel functions I need to to yep. remember to do my job well, yep. you know, I can reach yep. out to them and and just ask ask for help, you know. Yep. I would encourage you, you know, to have several, you know, like, so like mentors and things like that, uh, that help yeah. that because everyone goes through that. That's, that's the mm-hmm. dirty little secret. Like that's, that, that, you know, that's what the new guy, new girl goes through when they show up at an organization because it's all new. You're in a new state, new job, new relationships, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. in the Navy, we would have, you know, like your sea daddy. You know, the person will come up to you and just put his arm around you and say, hey, listen, you know, here's the way we do things. Some of it makes sense. Some of it doesn't. Here's all the quirky about the way we do things. And there was a video I remember in the military that I think it was like the first 72 hours and or it might have even been 24 hours. But they're like that on ramp is critical 
because mm-hmm. the people that don't get that support generally are the ones you have problems with later on. Those are the ones that are going to captain's mass and those sorts of things, the guys that weren't picked up from the airport, you know, yep. and had to figure out their way uh, to the to the unit. So right. um, I would encourage you, you know, if you can, like I know that there's veterans on Wall Street as an organization, so that, that has to be a bunch of people that have been down that road, and they might have um, some sort of service there that helps you figure out, oh, okay, yeah, you know, here, here's here's the on-ramp. You know, you don't have to build your own support network. We kind of have one um, already established for folks, both in uh, wealth and out, right? You know, your mentorship needs to be people in your organization, absolutely, but also outside of your organization. Um, Yeah. You know, because sometimes it's just easier to ask questions uh, with people that you don't work with. Right. You know, and I, I think that, you know, something that, occurs to me is, you know, the importance of not only mentors within your career, but mentors in other areas of your life that are meaningful to you. So, yes. you know, if you're a spiritual person or a religious person, you know, seek for seek for mentors in your religious community who can yes. who can help you in that way. Um, yeah. Maybe you're like a, a CrossFit dude, you know, and find a mentor within your local box or gym, you know. And, um, yes. But yeah, I hear what you're saying, and um, I, I could definitely. One of the things that I think I could do better <clears throat> um, is leveraging sort of the the mentor relationships that, that I have, um, yes. and yeah. using them more frequently. Everyone, everyone falls short on this. Like it's like you know when you're at business school, everyone's a networking machine. You know, and you're just out, you're getting business cards, you do stuff, and you go to events, and you're seen, and you speak, and you do all this stuff, and then you get your job. And then it's just like, okay, now I'm going to hunker down, (laughs) you know, and and focus on my job. Well, which is, of course, what you need to do. But that doesn't mean you take that networking and mentorship down to zero. You know, that is is valuable professional development uh, that you need. Like, that's not a waste of your time. That's not glad-handing and brown-nosing. This is you figuring out, okay, what is my next role, and am I on track for that next role? Because, you know, a lot of career management is you. You have to do that. You know, not no one's going to manage your career for you. And getting feedback from the mentors you have, your mentors introducing you to other mentors that you can get, but again, both inside your organization and out, uh, can help you be much more efficient and purposeful uh, in getting to a, a you know a position that makes sense for you. Yeah. Well, cool. So, I I got down my list of questions that I wanted to ask you. Um, did you have any? Other recommendations you'd give to uh, current uh, military folks preparing for their transition? I would. Um, I talk a lot to. Uh, it's not that I'm opposed to helping out uh, officers, not at all. But the, I think the enlisted group just. My experience has been that, that that particular group tends to to sell themselves short, and yep. I just want to say that you know um, I wasn't an officer; I was enlisted in two different services, and just don't sell yourself short. You know, you whatever 
whatever sort of past that you have or community that you come from, you know, if it's less than ideal, so what? But that's the past. You're in the military. You've, you have developed a skill set uh, that's transferable. And if you don't have all the skills that you, that you need to transition into that dream job that you feel as though you, you're certain you want, you have the capacity to learn those skills. And um, just be humble, yet <clears throat> confident in yourself, you know, and, and don't fear asking for help. Don't fear looking stupid. Um, I think people who are, the people that come off as sort of arrogant and know-it-all, those, those are the stupid folks that people seldom want to help. But those who are humble and admit ignorance but are, are curious and, um, and are really striving to, um, I don't want to say get to the next level, but get to that place where they're making a, a significant contribution. I mean, you can tell within minutes when talking to people that um, what type of person they are, you know what I mean, whether they're really authentic and sincere. And the people mm-hmm. that I've talked to that have reached out to me for for help, um, you know, I'm I'm more than willing to like bend over backwards for these folks because I just know that they're good people and they're going to make the type of contribution that will be useful um, to the bank, you know. And so just spend the time um, figuring stuff out and uh, <clears throat> just go at it with confidence. Matthew, thank you so much for taking your Saturday. I know a Saturday for an investment banker is precious time. Um, so thank you very much for uh, taking the time to share your wisdom and your experience with folks. Yeah, getting no problem. There, transition. I'm going back to work. You and I? (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are. Boss, thank you very much again. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.